Welcome to the Zen-ish Mommy Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Gershman, and while I may never reach enlightenment, you will find me here cussing and laughing along the way. This podcast is a place for all women to connect, educate themselves, and slow down because you deserve a moment to pause and press play. Ah, the sweet sounds of summer are upon us. I can almost taste it. Just the ability to turn the alarm clock off sets a different tone for the pace of summer. So what else happens in summer? Well, I don't know about you, but I tend to entertain a lot. We happen to have a pool, so people are always coming over. I find myself constantly cooking and hosting. We have a great space to do it, but it's a lot of work. Have you ever picked up a copy of Us Weekly and you look at all these lavish parties? The Kardashians are notorious for having the most incredible parties and the pictures are splayed all over all of the rags. How can I plan an incredible party? Whether it's your daughter's fourth birthday or you just want to have a few couples over for a candlelight dinner al fresco. Well, I've got the guest for you. Marley is the event planner to the stars. She's the CEO of The Party Goddess, a nationally acclaimed full-service event planning and catering company. And she is the author of the book, But Are You Making Any Money? From understated elegance to rock star fabulous, Marley is known for creating the most talked about parties of the year for a client list ranging from top tier businesses to A-list celebrities such as Pierce Brosnan and Sofia Vergara. She's quickly establishing herself as one of the best resources for small business owners and entrepreneurs. So as we slide into those sweet, sweet summer nights and you want to know how to plan your next gathering, Marley's here to tell you all those tips and tricks, money-saving tips, what's hot, what's not for summer. So stay tuned. Marley, major event planner to the stars. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Did you have like these ridiculous, lavish birthday parties when you were a kid? You're like, oh, that's exactly what I want to do when I grow up. I grew up with a mom who didn't work. And now since I worked so much, it's like beyond how much I appreciate that. And so I always had the small birthday party where you had the flowers from the backyard and my mom baked the cake and the frosting and the whole thing. It isn't like elaborate like you would see on TikTok today, but it was very purposeful and detailed. My birthday's in December. So I think that's why I was always like, oh no, I am not Christmas. I am a completely separate entity. What's your birthday when in December? December 5th. Okay. Well, you get a little space, but December birthdays are hard. I've got a January birthday for my daughter and I'm like, oh God, are we celebrating again? Right. (laughs) I always kind of meet at a point, maybe to wake everybody up like, hey, this is your kickoff to the holiday season. You got to find a good spin for every good party. Yeah. Everything's got to spin. What brought you into the event planning world? So I went to Georgetown, which nobody knows how I could possibly get in because at that time I had super bad undiagnosed ADHD. However, Georgetown at the time was was looking for demonstrated business ability, especially in women. And I was that weird girl who had the shrinky dink business at four. And I had a doll repair business, even though I didn't really know how to repair dolls. I had a car wash, I mean, I had every kind of business. And so that's, I guess, what got me in. And that was total divine intervention because before my junior year, I decided, I was like, I don't really have anything to do that summer. What am I going to do? I lived right by the French embassy off campus. I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to go research cooking schools. So I decided to go to Paris for the summer and went to cooking school and came back. 
And then I had to do a class for one of my business classes. And it was like, what you knew more about than anybody else. Well, I was like crying to my mom because I'm going freaking nothing. I got, there's nothing. I know. I shouldn't even gotten in. She said, well, you should do it on French cooking. There's no way they know more than that. So I was like, okay, cool. So I did it. So I run into my professor and I'm going, oh, and I have an interview with the chef from 1789. I'm so excited about my talk. Well, 1789 is this like very traditional fancy restaurant in DC. She was like, oh my God, that's my favorite place. And I just went home and I was like, what have I done? So I meet him. I take one look at him. I decide I need to marry him. And I'm like, but how am I going to do that? Because I'm interviewing him for this class and he's 20 years older than I am, et cetera, et cetera. So the whole time I'm kind of like plotting and scheming. And then I realized I've got to convince him at the very least to let me come back somehow. So I convince him I maybe need more for my paper and he lets me come back. And then that went on for a year. He never asked me out. So you were really like, Wanting to marry the chef from 1789. When I want something in my mind, I saw him. I took one look at him. I don't even think I heard him speak. And I was like, <laughs> I need to marry him. Goal setter, Sagittarius, plow through. And then I just don't ever consider any alternatives. The whole year I'm like working there. And I mean, I am in full hair and makeup. It was just ridiculous. Okay. there's On the no line in the back of the room in the kitchen. So no, <laughs> in the bowels of the restaurant, like literally in the basement. I mean, it's those old row houses and stuff. Obviously I'm getting nowhere. So then I was going to go to Normandy for cooking school the summer before my senior year. So the whole time in Normandy, I'm plotting and scheming how I am going to tell him I'm quitting. Because by now you can imagine I'm literally his best employee because I will work any shift. I'm desperate. I come back and I'm like, oh, and I've got to quit. And he's like, oh, okay. Would you like to have dinner? We had dinner and then I got engaged the month after graduation. So yeah, literally goal setting worked. What do you do when you marry a chef? If you ever want to see them, you get into the restaurant business. So he came back to Pasadena where I'm from, California, and we opened a restaurant. And so that's how I got into the restaurant business. I ran the front and he ran the back. We started a catering company from there and took over a banquet operation. It was like, bum, bum, bum. Before I knew it, I was like, okay, well, I guess I'm in the food business. Very different path than my hedge fund lawyer friends going to Georgetown. And I'm like, marrying a chef. Thanks. Bye. At what point? do you go from this catering company in this restaurant into getting all of these A-list celebrities? Well, how did it go from this to this? And how it went was an unfortunate divorce. I was seeming to have a very difficult time taking what I learned in business school at Georgetown and applying it to the restaurant. And I was so focused on my sales in the restaurant that it was like, great, I wanted to do a million dollars in sales my first year, which I did. But if you're spending 1.1, you have a problem. Financial trouble is not great, even though my life looked so amazing on the outside. And then I decided, okay, let's just get pregnant. Maybe that'll help, you know, get pregnant. My newborn basically is in front of the cappuccino machine as the free babysitter because I'm working more and more. And then I have this very bad ski accident, which was again, divine intervention. I'm convinced because we had been getting so many offers to partner up. Thank God we own the land that that restaurant was on. And so we've been getting all these offers. And my dad was like, listen, now you're having a divorce from the chef. You can't walk. You're in rehab. You're in a brace to your hip. Like what other sign do you need that we should take one of these deals? It just was traumatizing for me because I felt like I'd failed, even though I was dying to get out of the restaurant business. So I was at one of the lowest points in my life. And when I say I was at the lowest point, I mean, I was very low. And I'm thinking, okay, like names are very important to me in business. And I was like, what's the biggest name I can think of? And I was like, okay, the party goddess. I was like, I'm just going to call myself the party goddess, like fake it till you make it. I would go to my industry events. 
LA, New York to the most competitive markets ever. Obviously, it was very clear that I was no one. So I thought, how am I going to separate myself? Because there is so much competition. And yes, I'm very good at what I do, but so are a lot of people. I had met celebrities like in the restaurant, certainly. I had friends growing up who had more money often than any of these celebrities. Yet what fascinated me was that these girls would still, in those days, you're reading the magazines, like if they take this yoga class, I'm going to take that yoga class. They buy this makeup. The early influencer. Exactly. I was like, I might as well try it. There's nothing else that's going to set me apart. So then I just started down this path. And I remember saying to my friend, like, well, I need to get some celebrity clients. And she's like, yeah, like you and everybody else. Like, what are you going to do? My one friend was a publicist and she said, hey, listen, we can gift them these gift certificates. And I was like, why are they going to want to get like, they don't even know. She's like, believe it or not, celebrities love free stuff. And I was like, really? Okay. So we did it. And guess what? We got one. And then we got another one. And the thing that still to this day boggles my mind is that all it takes is one. You get one and then you parlay that. And by the way, that was part of the deal with the gift certificate. I got to say they're my client, blah, blah, blah. Then it was like one after another. And then all of a sudden, all these people at these industry conventions that were like, no, all the TV shows and like tips and stuff I wanted to get, nobody, like, forget it. Celebrity client, when can she come to New York? You know, and I was just like, this is the ticket. We just all need to use these shortcuts. Then after a while, it's like, okay, you really do know what you're doing and you really do get to be good at managing events for high maintenance people because it's a totally different animal than regular events. Yeah, they're way over the top. And it is funny. It's like birds of a feather. Once one person validates you, then everybody's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But in that time period, what do you think is the biggest takeaway? Was it manifestation? Was it goal setting? Was Mm. it intentionality? Like what kind of kept you on the path to success despite really seemingly coming into a lot of various failures? Everything was one big dumpster fire. To me, goal setting and manifesting and being intentional are all in the same bucket. It is however you want to phrase, this is what I want. I'm going to just be focused, whatever, mentally writing it down, pay attention, looking for opportunities until I get it. And so I knew I wanted to be this edgy event planner with celebrity clients. And I wrote out my goals. I would do my meditation. I had my vision board. I had my vision notebook. What's so weird, which everybody says this, who has any kind of vision, anything, you come back years later and I'm like, oh my God, like we did a job for Gwyneth Paltrow and I came back and I realized she was one of my people that was on my goals. And I'm like, that is so weird. So I was very purposeful about what I wanted. And I think it starts there because I think so many of us just don't have a specific goal and you have to have a specific goal. You can change it, but you got to have like that corridor thinking of where you're headed. What is the great success? So you can keep saying no to this, no to this, no to this, no to this, because I'm headed down this path. This is where I need to go especially in today's society, we're so easily distracted. And there is this idea of there's something better on the next, the next swipe, the next client, the next opportunity, the next door that opens. It's very easy to get taken off course because you're constantly changing your identity or your focus or your vision or your business or your intention, your motivation. I'm huge on manifestation. I mean, I really believe in putting it into the universe and attracting that kind of positive energy and raising my vibration and all of that really good woo-woo shit. So I'm with you. I mean, it works. And I love that you had like actual physical proof. You go back and be like, oh shit, no, I really did put Gwyneth Paltrow down there. So many times, like I had this rinky dink goal book and everybody used to make fun of me, but I would have all this stuff. And it was just for me. And I would go back and go through it. But then 
so many things like swimming with sharks, doing blah, 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 going to this place or going to this resort. And oh my gosh, I was literally there. Like it's so strange because you do forget about it, right? But your brain and your vibration, all this stuff, it doesn't forget about it. It knows it's heading in that direction. So you better be careful what you think about. Amen to that. So a little dirty dish on the celebrities. Did you have any ridiculous requests that you had to put into play or even had to turn down? Well, the one that pops into my head always is when somebody, which I cannot disclose, wanted to have dolphins swimming in their pool, like synchronized dolphins. They had this brand new Olympic sized swimming pool. Chlorine's not really good for dolphins. No, exactly. (laughs) So it's like, okay, so I'm trying to go through, you know, we're going to have to drain the pool and there are going to be handlers there and they're going to be this and that. And heads up, PETA is a real thing. Not that we're going to be abusing because by the way, if you use an animal in California, those animals are taken care of better than any person in the world. I just like to say, she's like, no, she's very obviously out there. And I was like, you're going to get creamed. I mean, I was like, I'll do it, you know, because to me, this is going to be an amazing notch in my belt. I was like, but please just think. So then when it wasn't like, okay, the dolphins, then it was like, we're just going to bring Cavalia in the horses. And I was like, oh, a little light Cavalia, no problem. So the horses were in Spain at the time. And then they were going to have to come to California and they were going to have to quarantine for two weeks. And I was like, once again, I will do it. Once again, we potentially have a huge problem with PETA, but you know, whatever you say. So it's stuff like that, which outrageous, but it doesn't bother me. To me, I kind of go, you know, good for you for freaking thinking like that. All righty. I mean, why not? Good for you, though, for also recognizing there could be an optics problem. I I would love to just run the credit card. No, I love and respect that you're like, yes, I will give you a dolphin show. However, there might be a little bit of an optics problem when TMZ gets a hold of it. Right. Which they will. They're probably (laughs) listening in on this conversation. Yeah. So as I say, that's going to be great for me. However, you will hate me for the rest of my life. And I'd like to continue going on planning parties happily. The thing that stands out to me most about celebrities is A, how fast they do stuff. You know, you and I'd be planning a party. We'd be kind of thinking about it and kind of booking our vendors. And these people are like, oh, good. I'm going to do it in like a week and a half. And I'm going to have 150 people and I need tents and I need this and that. So they need all the quality, right, of all the other stuff that everybody else needs. But then it's like, oh, the paparazzi and putting all the contracts into different names. Because guess what? That's how all of these people get tipped off is somebody sees it in the rental company saying they tip them up. So it's all these other layers, but sometimes the speed, just the expectation that, of course, you can do this for me because everybody else jumps. And I'm like, well, okay, I can. Celebrities or you know, high net worth individuals, what they see, they want, they can get with a snap of a finger. For the rest of us, <laughs> what are some things that you learn when we look at approaching an event? Maybe it's big, maybe it's a sweet 16, maybe it's a 50th wedding anniversary, it's an event we want to plan, or maybe it's just having people over in the backyard, we're having a soiree, we want to have some couples over for dinner, dine al fresco. What is important? What do we need to think about from an event planner? Well, I always say, what is the goal? What do you want to accomplish? And that seems weird. It might be you haven't seen your friends after the pandemic, or you guys are all running around after the holidays. Everybody feels fat. You want to get together, but you, the hostess, just can't lift another finger, but you still want to see everybody and you want it to be kind of like healthy and fun, but casual, or it might be, listen, you've been in your sweats for two and a half years because of the pandemic. And you're like, 
I want to just be dressed up, full hair and makeup, eyelashes. I want all my friends to get their hair and makeup done ahead of time. Those are two totally different vibes, but it's like one is kind of cozier. If it's not like, what's the goal? Then come back to like, what's the feeling? And sometimes when I'm doing stuff, let's say as a hostess being the event planner, I might just have things creatively that I want to try. I might be like, yeah, I want my friends to come over and everything, but I'm going to really focus on the flowers and the table arrangements because I'm just in that zone to be really creative and really quirky. So the message with that is pick one thing if you can within the event. I'm not saying you do great flowers and then you don't feed the people. If I am just so into the tables and what they look like in the fabric and I just every detail and all those things, I then don't try to make the salad dressing. You pick your focus. The other thing that I will just say is no matter how much you want to spend, take a certain piece of this of the money and hire the help to help you set up and clean up. Amen to that. Have the centerpiece be this much smaller, whatever you have to do. I have yet to meet a hostess who had a fabulous time when she was exhausted and like, oh my God, I have all these dishes slash disposable slash trash everywhere. So go into it. What do you want to feel? And then also, what do you want to feel the next day? Which is hopefully like you saw it fun and you don't have a big mess. I think what I hear you saying are a couple of things. One, figuring out the intentionality, right? We're bringing that back full circle into an experience. What is the intention behind it? And then you took that further more and said, not only what is the intention, but what is the feeling you want to invoke? Is it glitzy and glammy and this coming out party because we're finally breaking our stilettos back out, even all we've been wearing moo boots and Ugg shoes for the last two and a half years? Or is it like, no, I just want us to get together and I want it to be intimate and comfy. You know, I love that you actually think about the feeling that you want to evoke. And I would say I've hosted hundreds of parties at my house and have never taken that opportunity to sit down and think about it. Just sit and just kind of close your eyes and just picture it. Like I even go so far as to say, whether it's my house or I'm doing this for a client, what do I feel when they walk through the door? Like, what are their faces? Are their faces like, oh my God, I'm so glad to see you. Or are they like, oh my, like eye candy in every corner. Is it dark and mysterious where they're like, ooh, the more you meditate and do things like that, you're more in touch and you just are like, ooh, that's the feeling. And that drives the whole party. It's amazing. If you want to go for like glitz and glam, everything's then going to be over the top. So things are going to be shiny surfaces and glass and mirrors and amazing candlelight and yada, yada, yada. It makes all your decisions for the party a lot simpler. You know what to wear. You're going to be dressed up. I love it. And I want to go back to to what you said, because when we think about staying sane as a host, I'm going to reiterate it, having someone to help set up and clean up and not expecting your guests to participate. I mean, if it's an intimate and it's like a couple of your besties or whatever, but if you're really doing and having all of the effort, whether you're spending all your time, money and energy on the tablescape and the decorations or whatever, or you're back in the kitchen doing all the cooking and the planning. I mean, when I've done and cooked for 20, 30 people and spread it out over four days. I'm like, the last thing I want to do are more dishes at the end of the evening. And I'm tired. How do you want to feel the next day, right? That's so important. When you are going through your house and someone came in in a full glitter beard, that happened. (laughs) And I didn't get it off of my floors for six months. It's like, but but that's when you know you've had a good time. That is true. Residual glitter and feathers is very hard to say that was a bad party. True, true. And so as we think about summer, it's a little bit more laid back. You're definitely entertaining more. 
are, what do we need to think about when we're planning parties and get togethers this summer? Well, I would go back to the goal, the intentionality, the what do you want to feel? And I would then kind of sit back too and think about the calendar. So sometimes in summer for me, I like to have people over more frequently, maybe it's once a month and think about when, because remember, we always think of like Saturday nights or something. Well, in the summer, it is so nice to have people over for a total lazy Sunday killer, make your own Bloody Mary bar. And so think about like, what are you in the mood for? Are you in the mood for, have you seen like a million recipes on Pinterest for brunch stuff that you're like, oh, that would be really cool. Or if you want to be healthier, let's do something in the summer with fresh juicing. And then also I would say challenge yourself, maybe just because I took my yoga class this morning. She's always like, you know, push to your limit, then keep going a bit. And so with parties this summer, that's what I would say. If you always set up the tables with the big round table of 10 or the fold out this or that, or you always use the same linens, take furniture from inside, put it outside, use real dishes instead of disposables. If you're not having a ton of people, if you always see people over here, sit them over here. If you always do this color scheme, totally change it. There's so much fun in that. And one of the things that I always like to do at some point in the summer, because you have a bunch of opportunities is to do something patriotic because, you know, you've got Labor Day and you've got Memorial Day and you've got Fourth of July and all those things. But there are so many fun twists on those that you can do. You know, you can do like a mostly white Fourth of July with a little bit of red and blue or the host and hostess are in the red and blue. There's so many great things. So I would just say push the envelope a little bit. The feedback you get makes you want to do more. And that's when it's fun. It's got to be fun. I love how you brought it back to yoga of like leaning into the discomfort. In a class, there's certain people that get the same spot in the yoga class every single time they put their mat in, you know, they get there early, they get the same spot. And if you've ever seen the yoga teacher move them from the spot, they get like, you know, rageful. And it's like, here's a a shadow. Here's what you need to work on. We fear change a lot as a human, but this idea of like inviting change in, inviting this kind of like switch up of making things different, we get very much, especially as we age into our own ruts. And I love this idea of looking at it with fresh eyes, like a child. It's all new to them and the world is their oyster and there's endless possibilities. But really looking at saying, okay, if I was going to do X, Y, and Z, maybe I'm going to change one of those and totally flip it around. Yeah. Like when I sit in Sukhasana, I always switch my legs, right? I have a leg that I always put in front and I'm like, I'm going to put the other one in front. It brings the fun back into entertaining. And the reminder is you can have fun. Just start planning it a little sooner. Start pulling all your platters and stuff out and put a post-it on them and just get prepared because there's always going to be those last minute things. But if you just start getting in the zone a little sooner and you really are purposeful, you will find yourself being like a little kid where you're like, this is great. I'm having a party. And I feel that way after 30 years. I can honestly still tell you, I will be like, oh, that's awesome. Like I had no idea people are rimming the drinks like this now with this. It's just fun. One of the things I do is I went to the Goodwill and got tons of random glasses and stuff to use for the wine glasses instead of just let's have the disposable wine or let's have the rental all-purpose 10 ounce wine glass. Do you have other little secret insider money saving tips? The Goodwill slash whatever thrift store du jour should be your nirvana. And here's the thing, unless you live in like the most ginormous house, and even if you do, you might not want to store all this stuff. If you stick with like clear glass or silver or gold or metallics and all this stuff, all that stuff blends together. And one of the things I do every time 
is you go to the Goodwill and you get the salad bowl that's glass that is like the shape of a clam or whatever. And it's $2. The quality is usually really good. Like they're indestructible. I always get bowls like that. Anytime I see a pedestal of any kind, a cake pedestal that's clear glass, I always buy it because everything looks better at all different heights. If you don't see the pedestal, then you can make one. You take the big glass dish that you get at the Goodwill and you put another glass below it and make all different kinds of heights. Always get all those, the clear cylindrical vases you can Because during the holidays, you can fill them with ornaments, you can fill them with water and a floating candle, like it will do double duty, triple duty, and you use them over and over. And the key money saving thing, well, there are a couple, one is don't buy stuff that is holiday specific, right? Like as soon as you buy something that has Cinco de Mayo on it or has Christmas or Hanukkah or something on it, you're limited, right? But if you buy just red napkins, guess what? You can use them Fourth of July, you can use them Cinco de Mayo, you can use them Christmas, you go on and on. And then make it, let's say Christmassy or something with balls or holly or something that brings that element in, but that's the cheap element, you know, as opposed to investing in the stuff that, okay, great. I'm going to pull this out for like two weeks, the witch's broom. But the other thing too, is all this stuff ends up adding up. And so if you keep in mind Trader Joe's or something like that, believe it or not, Costco has fabulous salmon and they have fabulous blank steak. Lamb chops at Costco are supposedly incredible. It makes sense. They go through so much product. Do something like that, you know, marinate that blank steak, whatever it is, way ahead of time. And that's going to save you a chunk of money. As I say, be purposeful and kind of decide where you want to spend your money. Because the other thing is you might just be like, listen, I want to just sit in the backyard in the summer and have this great time and have an amazing DJ. Okay, so put your money towards that. Don't put your money like a little bit here and a little bit there and a little bit there and a little bit there. It's like concentrate your efforts, even if it's just on where you're decorating. Like I always say a party feels better anyway when it's kind of squished in. That's probably the biggest mistake I see people make. It's like if the table's all over and then how- It feels like you have like five people there. And you could have 200 people there. Bring it all in and create that buzz like, and the other thing to save money is have everything do double duty. Or if you're like, okay, I want to be careful with what I spend, then have your desserts and stuff on the pedestals as part of your centerpieces. Work it all in. And then the easiest way to make the biggest bang for the buck is, as they say, cylindrical, clear glass, anything with tons of candles. You just do that, float a bloom over here and over here. You have the cheapest centerpieces ever and you got all the goodwill. Candlelight is always nice. Even once they're the cheap tea light candles, you glide them, they burn just Irrelevant. the same. They look beautiful. Nobody knows. And turn the lights way down, way down. <laughs> 22 year olds even look better. We can remember back then when we were going to the bar and they turn the lights on, it's never good. So you've had this second coming, Marley. You're now becoming this like business coach. Yeah. You had this incredible, very eclectic, colorful journey to get to where you are. How did the world, the universe take you in that direction? Very dramatically and very practically. I mean, you have to pay the mortgage and I have three kids. You got to figure it out. When I started the party goddess, I realized, okay, I didn't have the hundred employees. I didn't have all the overhead, but I also didn't have all the excuses. I was like, there is no reason this business shouldn't be profitable, but what's wrong? Why isn't it profitable? So I had to really dig deep and figure out what was out there. I mean, I was used to reading business books and doing case studies. My God, that's all I did in school, but I couldn't somehow apply it. It all felt like, oh, my business is different. So I had to come up with my own formula that basically broke your expenses into these four categories. And what I found was that it really resonated with, I mean, certainly men, but women in general or 
creative people who were not in love with numbers. It was a way that they could still do their business and love their business, but set their pricing so that they actually were making money, which is why my book is called, But Are You Making Any Money? After the question my dad asked me, which was like, you know, I really don't care about Britney Spears and all this other fabulous stuff you're doing, but are you making any money? What I realized is that that's at the core of it, right? Now, if you want to have a hobby, God bless, no problem. But what I realized is there is so much shame and anxiety and frustration involved when you are not making as much as you thought you would make when you left corporate America, or you're not making as much as you think you should for how much time you're working. There are a few things that are more demoralizing. So my piece is, listen, it doesn't have to be your full-time job, but let me show you just the basics that you can then rinse and repeat so that even if it's just a podcast or not just how you break it down is how much time does it take to produce a podcast, but not just you filming the podcast. No, you sending out the emails or vetting people to be on it and all the different costs associated with having it. And when you start running people through those exercises, then they start feeling empowered. And then they're like, okay, wait, maybe I could get this. And that's the biggest way that you start raising your prices. You start charging what you're worth. It was something I fell into to solve my own problem. But then I got so much satisfaction because, you know, it was so painful for me and embarrassing and everything else to go through what I went through. So I was like, oh my God, one person can just not go to sleep at night being like, what an idiot I am. What is my problem? Why can't I get this? Well, you can get it. It's just, it has to be approached in a different way for a lot of our brains. I think it's so impactful when we as women have been through something and then we're really open and vulnerable and honest about it and take the shame away from it. You've got an entire universe of people of other women. They're like, oh wait, that's me too. Oh wait, Marley went through this or Jessica went through this and oh wait, I'm not alone. And the reality is we're all having this human experience. The human experience is suffering. I mean, it just is. Is, and no one gets out of it alive where no one is absolved right. from suffering. You're going to have high points and low points and everything in between. And I love that you went out and took all of these, turned it around and said, wait a minute, if I can help other people, then it made it all worthwhile, right? It made the suffering justified. It totally did. And it all does come full circle. The message is that it's at the tough time when you don't have the confidence. You just have to say to yourself, I've got this. And I am not giving up and just keep plowing through. And like Woody Allen's quote of 80% or 90% or something is just showing up. And that's true. You just keep showing up going, I'm going to figure this out. And I will tell you though, I have coached insanely successful people. And at the end of the day, I don't think it takes three calls before somebody isn't in tears. We all have this. Oh my gosh. Like I didn't think it would take so long. I didn't think the learning curve would be so high. I didn't know I had to do so much with the contract. I didn't know so many people try to screw you out of this or like all those things. You just go, oh yeah, absolutely. And I think the funny thing as an entrepreneur, business owner, whether you're an event planner or a podcaster or you know whatever your niche is, you think everyone is doing better than you, (laughs) right? That is the secret story. Yeah. That like, oh, they have more clients than me. They're making more money. And you know, now I'm into this like interior design. So now I'm learning about that. And it's all of this story that everyone is sitting around, looking around to their left and their right and being like, oh, they're more successful than me. They're making more money than me. Yes. There are people that experience successes, but we don't get to see the 10, 15, 20 years that it took prior to that, where they were beating their heads against the wall. And it goes back to what we talked about at the very top of this call, the goals and the intentionality and the manifesting. And it just goes back to why that's so important because I have these projects and stuff that I'm so focused on right now. And when you're focused, like I'm after this goal, like you're studying for a test or you want to go to graduate school, your energy is on this. 
you're not gossiping and funking around. Don't worry about that person's Instagram. Make your Instagram better. Where do you want to go and just head down and keep working? Nobody has an easy path. It takes a long time to get good. I don't care if it's a YouTuber who looks like they're 19 years old. I'll guarantee you they have put in two tons of time. So expect that. And there's nothing wrong with you. Absolutely. The book, But Are You Making Any Money by Marley Major. Thank you so much. Where can listeners find more information about you, your coaching, your book? Well, the book is on Amazon. So that's super easy. The business stuff, The Party Goddess, just go to Instagram at The Party Goddess. I would love that. And at The Profit Goddess is the coaching Instagram. All the links are in the show notes below. And thank you as always, mamas, for tuning in. Until next time. 